This is the Adventure Church Podcast. Thank you for being here. Today, Pastor CJ and Pastor Cheryl tag team with the final message in our Thankful and Grateful series called Reflective Thanksgiving. We get to listen to some testimonials from our pastors that will encourage us to always be thankful for what we have, to never give up, and to give God all the glory. No matter what you're going through this holiday season, even in the midst of your pain, give thanks. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. God is good. And before we get started, Pastor and I are going to do a little... Oh, yeah, <laughs> we leg. lost half Somebody the leg of the chair. Over there. <laughs> but before we get started, uh, Pastor and I are going to kind of do a little duo thing today. Um, a duo thing. A duel. Duel. Du- I mean, duet. Duet thing, I should say. You're trying yeah, to trick duet. me. So, yeah. um, but before we get started, one of the things I really feel like we're supposed to do is literally, I just want you to close your eyes, and we're going to just take a moment to pray. And if you want to, you can just say these words to yourself um, under your own breath. But Lord, I open myself up to you today. That Lord, whatever you have for me, that I am open to receive it. And that Lord, you will pour into me the new manna that you have for me today. Lord, if there's something that I'm not seeing, let me see it. Let me be completely open. And Lord, let me just put things behind me. And let me move forward in your wonderful and precious name. Amen. 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 We're excited about today. We're going to tag team. We're calling this Reflective Thanksgiving. And we're going to reflect about some things today about Thanksgiving. People always say to Cheryl and I that we always seem to be so happy. And why are we so happy? And why are we so thankful? Well, Cheryl's going to speak today. This is her first time getting a chance to speak. And I'm excited about what God's laid on her heart. And as Cheryl said, God gives us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Amen? And open our hearts. God lives upon the throne of our hearts. So you have to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. You're you're on. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. So last week you heard me share just a little bit during um, offering about how blessed that um, we were as kids, that God gave us so much at that one Thanksgiving. Um, And so today, Pastor and I are going to be sharing part of our testimonies um, of where we've come from, where we're going. And so an important part of your testimony is not all the gruesome details of sickness, assault, betrayal, loss of loved ones, loss of yours or your child's innocence, um, the death of relationships, addictions that you have or maybe those around you have. It's not about all of that. It's about how you pushed through how you made it to the other side, how with God's help you were able to get through it. Um, You know, when you look, when you constantly are looking backwards, you just can't see what God has in store for you. And one of the things is if you look backwards, make sure you're looking back at what God has done, not what you think he hasn't done, not at all the things that you think failed you. But look forward. You know, the definition of testimony is a spoken or written statement that something is true. The greatest part of our testimony is not all the details of what we went through as much as that we made it through and that we've made it through well. In a nutshell, we have both gone through a lot in our lives, but we all have a chance to see the positive instead of focusing on the negative. And so um, CJ and I did not grow up in these perfect homes. 
We didn't grow up in perfect homes. I, the older I get, the more of a saint I realize my mother was um, and wish she was here so I could reiterate that to her. But do you want to go ahead and share some of what you went through? Sure. First thing I want to talk about is, I think it's on the screen if, if the computer's not gone. But first thing that we have learned, learn to be thankful for what you do have and not what you don't have. And, and, I, and we wrote this down. Some of you would say that that's easy to say. That's easy to say for you're not where I am. And you may say, well, Pastor, that's easy for you to say. Cheryl, and you, you are not where we are at right now. And, uh, but I can say this, that we may not be where you're at right now, but we were where you were at. We uh, went through the school of hard knocks, just like anyone else. We went through the school of hard knocks. We've gone through hard times, high lows, and so on and so forth in our lives. But we've learned that the secret, and here's the secret about being joyful and being thankful. Always meditate and focus on the good things that you have in your life. When, when we were growing up, folks, listen, you know kind of my testimony, but we had three fathers. I had three fathers and I had three mothers. I only had one of each. Yeah, one of each. But we had three fathers, and I had three fathers and three mothers. And we grew up in a very broken home, dysfunctional home. My, my first father obviously left us. They left us in the middle of the ghetto. I promise you, in the middle of the ghetto, when I tell you that. we were It was so bad. If you go there now, there's bars in every window of all the businesses there. I took some of my youth kids when I was youth pastor, took them through the, the area where I lived. They hid on the floorboard of the car going, Pastor, get me out of here, because that's how scary it was. We grew up in that area. We were so poor. We had no money. We had nothing. I promise you. We lived on commodity cheese and pork and a can and the raisins that commodity how many of you have ever heard of the commodity foods amen we had those big things of cheese we had the pork in the can we had the raisins we had all that stuff we were very uh not fortunate at all my very first clothes that i remember were brand new is when the social worker took us to jc Penney's and brought me my first pair of jeans and a shirt that's how we were but one of the things that my mother has always taught me that has always instilled this in me be thankful for where you are now because if you can't learn to be thankful now you will never go forward have you ever noticed that your car has a small rear view mirror and the windshield is bigger it's because you're always supposed to be looking ahead and not behind you're supposed to focus on what is good in your life we were so poor we couldn't go to the the valley fairs or the uh, the, um, the the state fairs or whatever else that you guys go to today we couldn't go to those things so what we did we had to make up our own entertainment and one of the things that we did was my mother would always take us down to Lake Michigan, and we would find the flattest rocks we could, and we would have a contest, my six sisters and my brother, and we would have a contest to see who could skip the rock the furthest. And then we would skip it, and man, mine went eight, and my sisters would go ten. But what we did is we made things, and we rejoiced in what we had, and we were thankful for the little. You see, listen, if you can't be thankful for the little, don't expect much to happen in your life, because God gives increase when you learn to appreciate where you are right now you may not like your circumstance you may not like where you're at but even David said though I walk through the valley of shadow of death I will fear no evil David never put himself in park he kept on walking through the valley getting to the mountaintop in your life how do you walk through the valleys by being thankful while you're in the valley Lord I don't understand Lord I don't like the situation but God I'm going to thank you for where I am right now. Somebody say amen. amen. So you have to learn to be thankful. Growing up, 
making the most of where you're at right now. If you don't like it where you're at right now, then praise your way out of it. Paul and Silas, when they were in jail, what happened when they were in jail? They were in shackles. Their feet were shackled, and they were in a jail cell that they had to be kneeling like this. And what did they begin to do? At midnight, they began to praise and worship God in the midst of their circumstances, and they thanked God. And in that, God broke the chains and set them free. And not only were they blessed, but the people around them were blessed because they learned the secret that, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to be thankful for right where I'm at. That's the beginning of getting out of your circumstances in life. You know, when he said that, uh, the canned pork was before they went ahead and put a label on it saying spam, yeah. <laughs> you know. So spam and pulled pork, are ch the pork in the cans that you got at commodities was not as good as spam. We thought we were in heaven when we got spam. It was like, ooh, we're big time now, <laughs> you know. We've moved up. And my parents, they both um, had jobs. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a welder. You would think these are two occupations where they should have done well. Um, I, I don't, I'll never understand everything, and so I don't try to. I just have to leave that one alone um, as to why we were always so poor. Um, although I will say this, that back, in, back then, we didn't know we were poor. We, we really didn't know we were so poor. I didn't really realize I was poor until in ninth grade. I was so excited about my clothes that year. I was like, Wow, mom got me like the best clothes from garage sales this summer. This I look so hot. I mean, I was like, I'm I'm going to school looking good and so excited about it. And I walk in school held held high, feeling great. And a girl looked at she goes, Oh, that is so ugly. She goes, That's my sister's. You must have bought that from my our garage sale. And she goes, I told my mom I wouldn't be caught dead in that. And I was like, yeah, hurt, devastated, um, resenting the, I started focusing on resenting the provision that my mom had done. And so through my resentment, I started stealing. I would wear my winter coat, stay after school, go to the local store, and um, yeah, so I was able to steal quite a few clothes. I didn't realize how good I was at it. Um, and so I started lying then. I had to lie. Oh, well, I stayed after school today because this teacher paid me to do this and that at school. And my parents just always believed anything that I said. And so they just believed me. And partway through my ninth grade, I just was like, this is not who I want to be. I mean, I've gone from being that kid who brought her Bible and boldly set it on the corner of my desk to all of a sudden not daring to bring my Bible because now I was in a trap of lying and stealing. And so I remember praying and saying, God, convict me so badly that if I even say something that is an exaggeration, that I will correct myself. Stop me dead in my tracks on any kind of lying and stop me from stealing. The stealing part was easy. I just stopped. But I found that I had gotten in myself into a trap of saying little things that weren't really true. Well, they weren't true at all. And so what I started doing was 
if I said to CJ, I'm going to go to the grocery store and then I'll be home in 10 minutes, which not that I was way over that in ninth grade, the whole line thing. But, you know, if I were to say something like that, I would turn around and then say, well, actually, I'm stopping at the gas station and the grocery store, and, and I'd give the exact detail to correct myself. But, see, one of the things is is that we don't stop and correct ourselves. We don't. We don't stop and say, what is my part here? What am I saying or doing wrong? And, Lord, if this is wrong, convict me of it. Well, I knew lying was wrong. I knew stealing was wrong. But that's just part of where I was at that point, the devastation. Different things lead you to do different things. But, you know, God always said, and our point number two is don't give up. No matter what's going on. At that point, I could have just given up and said, I don't care. I'm just going to lie and steal, and that's going to be the way my life is going to be right now. But instead, I was like, no. One of the things that God had always given me was a great self-esteem. I don't know why he gave me such a great self-esteem, but he always has. I've always believed in myself, believed in who I am in Christ Jesus. But, you know, when we're talking about these different um, parts of our testimony, and, you know, as Pastor said, you know, look at be thankful for what you do have. And in this, and don't give up, I can tell you this. Some of you are at the very beginning of a struggle or going through something. Some of you are in the midst of it. Some of you are already coming out. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. No matter where you are, it's easy for us to say, just look to God and he'll take care of everything. <clears throat> Doesn't that just sound so cliche? It does. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. Just saying, okay, whatever, God. It's not that easy. When we've gone through some of the hardest times of my life, I didn't lift my head up. I bowed my head. And I prayed harder than I've ever prayed. I was fortunate to be raised with parents that loved us, took us to church, um, were very, my dad was my Sunday school teacher. I think he was more, I don't know, I just think he thought I was going to somehow slip away and go to hell. He should have spent more time on the rest of the kids. But he made sure he always was the teacher in my Sunday school class. And um, so in that, he made sure that I knew certain scriptures. And I can tell you, when I say that I always had a healthy self-esteem, I, I always just believed in who I was in Christ. I knew that Philippians 4.13 says that, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do everything that, I, that God puts in front of me. I can do it. One way or another, maybe not look at Linda Kinch's cats, but I can do just about anything else. <laughs> I can look at anything else. I also knew that no matter what, in Joshua 1.5 and in Hebrews 13.5, it says that he will never leave me nor forsake me. In the midst of things, I felt left. I felt forsaken. Have you ever been there? Where are you, God? I've been faithful. Where are you? Why aren't you there for me right now? I also leaned on Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you, me, will be faithful to complete it. And I knew that God wasn't finished with me. See, one of the things was I was surrounded by certain people that would speak negativity in your life. And then I was surrounded by others that spoke nothing but positivity. I was blessed to grow up 
with people like the Clowitters at our Lutheran church as a young kid. And I'm telling you, them and the, all those people in our Lutheran church, they treated all of us kids like we were just gifts from God. We were, it's not that they spoiled us rotten, but they spoke positivity into us. I had great uncles. We had so many great uncles and aunts, and I don't know why, but they always told me how special I was, always. Other people in the community would go, that girl's going to hell. You know, she's going to hell. She's just kind of a wild one. I wasn't wild. My mom would always say, Cheryl's not wild. She's not crazy acting. She's just, what was that word? Mischievous. She's mischievous. She's just a little mischievous. Amen. But she is, she just thinks of things. Her head gets thinking of things that she just shouldn't think of. Little pranks and stuff. But you know what? In Luke 12, 7, it says that indeed the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. You are worth more. And I always believed that. I always believed that. But that's part of don't give up. Believe in who you are. Know that God has never left you nor forsaken you. Even if you feel forsaken right now. Don't give up. I'm reminded of a story of Winston Churchill. He was uh, going to speak at his alma mater. And uh, the students there, you know, as you know, Winston Churchill, he was a great pillar in the, in the religious <coughs> culture. And he was going to go speak at his alma mater. And, and so here he was going to be the keynote speaker at the graduation class and so on and so forth. And so the word got out. And, man, this was out for now the last two months. And, this, man, the electricity and the excitement of the college was all excited that Winston Churchill is coming to our, our school and going to be the keynote speaker for the commencement service. So finally the day came that Winston Churchill came to speak at the service. And so they uh, went through all the prelude stuff and sang their songs and did all the stuff, did all the information about all the school and all the highlights and things through the year. And finally... The commencement speaker was Winston Churchill. And the speaker got up to announce him and said, hey, let me introduce to you our speaker for the day, Winston Churchill. Well, finally, Winston Churchill was introduced. He walked to the pulpit, and he scanned the crowd. And he scanned the crowd, and those students were sitting there on the edge of their seat waiting to hear the wisdom that he wanted to pour into their lives. He scanned the crowd, and he paused for over a minute. And there was such a great expectation in the crowd and in the, in, the, in, the, in the audience. And he looked at the crowd and he said these words. Never. Never. Never, never, never. And they just stood frozen in their seats. Never. Never. Give up. Turned around, and he spat back down in his seat. The key is, in life, never give up. No one ever told you to be a rabbit, and no one ever told you to be a turtle. The key is, just keep going. Don't stop. Remember this. The devil is always one step behind you no matter how fast or how slow you go. It's up to you to keep going. 
And the enemy wants you to stop, to quit, so he can gain that one step that he's behind you. And if you stop, he's going to pounce. You ever notice a leper? A leper is built for speed. They can only run a distance of 100 yards, and that's why they always sneak up on their prey. And once that 100 yards is done and they can go, they're one of the fastest animals on the planet, but they have 100 yards distance to catch their prey. And if an animal can outrun them in 100 yards, guess what? They're going to win. So they always have to wait and get closer to you so that when they finally get you in their sights and they get close enough knowing that they can pounce on you, then they're going to attack. But if you can outrun the 100 yards, you're going to win. Guess what? The enemy is like a lion looking for whom he may devour. He's creeping up on you. But you have to keep one step ahead. How do you do that? By not quitting. You may not like your circumstances. You may not like where you're at, but don't you quit. You see, let me tell you a story about not quitting. When I, uh, when I first took my first youth pastor position, I look at Ian and you guys as pastors. When I took my first youth pastor position, I want you to hear this story. All right? You talk about all that we have peaches and cream and we live on the mountaintops, right? We go through valleys just like you. Reflective Thanksgiving. I take this church, and I won't say where because many of you probably look it up on the website and find out where I was. <coughs> but I took this church, my very first church. I was so excited about uh, where we were going. Very, very excited about it. And so I took this church, and, man, I went there, and uh, my wife was pregnant with my second son, CJ. And uh, we were there, and we knew we, we, God was calling us there, and then he wasn't calling us there. So we ended up taking it anyways. But wait, wait. I'll confess up. CJ said that God was saying we were supposed to go. So we, we accepted the position. We were going. And all of a sudden, a week before, we're supposed to, actually, I think it was about three days before we were supposed mm -hmm. to leave. We'd already quit our jobs, given our notice in our, our townhouse. And we had little Ricky. And at that time, he woke up and he said, we're not supposed to go. God just showed me he's hiring us for all the wrong reasons, and we're not supposed to go. I couldn't understand. God said, now he didn't say, I think you must be losing it, because how are you going to tell me as the head of our household, God said, and now he doesn't say. And so in my mind, I felt like he had become afraid to go forward. I just felt... And that's where my mind was. I didn't realize at that moment, it wasn't my mind, it was my pride. I allowed my pride to step in the way and said, I believe we're still supposed to go. My thought was, how are we going to get our jobs back? How are we going to turn around and say, hey, we still need our townhouse. Can you tell the people coming in they don't get it now? Can you make any changes is what I should have done. But it was my fault for being prideful at that moment. And I didn't realize it was pride. I was just thinking this through, and I thought I was using logic, and he was being illogical. And so we went ahead and went. So we went. And Cheryl was pregnant with my son, CJ. Very first church, Paul. Never forget this. 
think you guys have it bad. I want you to hear this. We're only telling you this because we're getting to the last point. And we're going to pray here in a moment. And Jeremiah, just be ready. We're going to pray. Because we want to pray for you today. We're going to specifically, specifically lay hands on you today. So I take this church, going to this church, was there a month. All total, I was there nine months. Hell on earth. It was so bad. Let me just tell you this, Troy. It was so bad that I was every day, seriously, drinking, drinking bottles of Maalox every day. Every day. The pastor was so insecure that he would drive by our house, and he had a diesel car. And every day he would drive by our house, and every day he called me three times a day at my house. Who you got over your house? Who you talking to? Who you with? Every Sunday night before I walk into the church doors, into this lobby, he would take me into his office. Who would you see today? Who would you talk to? Who you go out to eat with? Every day. I was the youth pastor. Our youth group exploded from four kids to 110 kids in three months. It was just amazing. Because he was so jealous, what happened was he, then he put me as a children's pastor. I want you to hear this because I want you to hear what you go through. He, then he put me as a children's pastor downstairs so I wasn't in front of the people. And so then what happened was everything that I was doing, he was trying to eliminate me from being in front of the people. So now, here I am, nine months into this thing. She's up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, giving birth to my second son, CJ. Sunday, while we're on the platform, because back in the day, remember how I used to sit on the platform? I was supposed to preach the next Sunday. And while I was getting ready to pray for the people at the altars, the pastor leans over to me and says, CJ, by the way, you're not preaching next week. I said, why is that? He said, because he is. He already had his replacement for me. So you know what happened? I went home, and that night I was sick. How am I going to tell my wife she's giving birth to my son, CJ? So I was sick, so I called in sick on Monday. I want you to hear this now. You think sometimes you have it bad, Adam? This is ministry. I call in sick, and he said, that's okay, Pastor CJ. You just come in and be here by noon. I said, Okay. So I walk in, and I have to walk through the secretary's office to get to my office, and her office was full of boxes. Right then, it triggered my, something's going on, right? I go into my office, shut the door. It wasn't five minutes. I get a knock at my door. Pastor CJ, can you come in my office? I go into the senior pastor's office. There's two doors, one office that went into the secretary's office and one door that went out right into the foyer of the, of the, of the church. He's sitting at the ta his desk, and I got a table, a chair sitting right across the, from his desk right in front of him. And he says, I want you in here, Pastor CJ, because I want you to resign. And I knew that he wanted me to resign. I knew it. And so I was prepared. So he said, I want you to resign. And I wasn't being cocky. Please understand when I say this. I wasn't Garrett. wasn't being cocky. I said, no. And you know what he did? He chased me. He chased me out of his office all through the sanctuary. Now, get this, guys. I'm running through pews. And all along, you know what he's doing? I'm going to kill you. Get in my office. I said, no, until you tell me why you want me to resign. My very first church, Jack. He's running through the pews, chasing me all through the church. I'm going to kill you. But we had already, we'd already experienced that when a board member disagreed with him in a board meeting, oh, yeah, that crazy. he wrestled him to the ground, had him in a headlock, yeah. and was punching his head. Broke his glasses. Broke his glasses. Craig Tucker, yeah. yeah. So listen to this. I want you to hear this. The reason why we're telling you this 
because sometimes you think you have it bad and you look at us that we are invincible. We're not invincible. We bleed the same way. We put on our clothes the same way. We put on our shoes the same way. But we learn the secret. And that's to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of Christ, God in Christ Jesus. So you know what he did? Monty, he chased me. Finally, I said, you go in your office and leave the door open because I could see from the foyer into his office. I said, you go sit at your desk. So he did. And I walked in there, and I left the door open and sat in front of his desk right there. And I said, now you tell me why you want me to resign. He looked at me, hatred in his eyes, just fire, just piercing out of his eyes. He says to me, he says, number one, he said, I'm jealous of you. Our youth group grew in three months from four kids to 110. Our children's group grew from four, in three months. No, excuse me, four months because now children's pass for four months. It started with six kids. No kidding, Adam. You know what happened? Our, youth, our children's ministry grew so big that we had to divide it up into three sections. It was so big. Me and Mel Hassel, we would go out every Saturday, and we'd go out children's evangelizing, take the children's bus, and we'd go out. He would be in his Daniel Boone outfit. We'd tell 10 kids, today I'm picking you up. I want you to have another friend with you. Right automatically, we had 20 kids. We'd take them to the Dairy Queen. Right across the street from the Dairy Queen was the park, and we'd sit with those little kids, and those little kids started bringing their, their family. They started bringing their friends. Our children's ministry grew, so everything that we were involved in, God began to bless. So he said, I'm jealous of you. Then he says, because of my jealousy, I mistrust you. And you know what I did? You know what I did? I walked out of the ministry. You know what I said? I will never do this again. Never will I do this again. I was with that pain, Brett you got to be kidding me. I'm going to a Christian organization, and the pastor's threatened to kill me. And you know what? Never give up. Saturday morning, I'm driving my brother's car. I'll never forget this. I stepped out of ministry. You'd been out of ministry for almost a year at that time. Yep. Totally stepped away, Troy. I'm driving my brother's car because he's working on my car, and I had to go get the parts for my car. And if you know anything about Minneapolis, where the Billy Graham Crusade building was downtown Minneapolis, I'm driving on the highway, robbing the highway, busy, packed. I'm driving my brother's Monte Carlo right there in front of the Billy Graham Crusade building. The Lord said, it's time. I pulled over on the shoulder there in the highway, and I bawled my eyes out, fought with God. God, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this, God. No way. And all he kept saying, it's time. It's time. It's time. And I cried, and I cried like a baby. No way. See, we bleed the same way. But I learned the secret. Hear me. The secret is don't give up. That's right. That's right. You know that we need to let God get the glory. Our point three is that your testimony gives God the glory. You know, I remember when 
um, I was pregnant with Rick, our first pregnancy, and I got so sick. And so I was just in the hospital, dehydrated, everything. And then I almost lost Rick, um, and we ended up losing his twin. And, um, but Rick was spared. And so through all of that, I was coming in later to work. I was still getting my work done. I was putting my hours in. I'd just come in later or different hours. I kind of shifted my hours around. And my boss was okay with that. But the gal that I worked hand in hand with wasn't okay with it. So I had started out in the patient accounts department of Metropolitan Medical Center as a file clerk. And then I was a billing clerk. And then I verified insurances. And I was moving to be a patient rep, which was next. And above the patient reps is two, the uh, assistant supervisor or manager of the department, then the manager of the department. And the woman I was working with couldn't have children. And so she was resentful of me um, being pregnant. And so she turned around and went and complained to my boss that I wasn't reliable enough. I wasn't doing a good job. And I got knocked down to being a file clerk again. And I'm telling you, at that time, I was so humiliated and embarrassed in front of the whole, you know, team. And I just, department, and I, I wanted to quit. I just wanted to quit. I didn't want, it was, it was every day, basically being publicly humiliated that I got knocked to the bottom again. And I was just like, I just want to quit. I want to quit. But inside of me, I went back to those scripture verses. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. He's not done with me, and I'm not going to let anybody beat me. I'm going to go there with a smile on my face, and I'm going to do the best job they've ever seen done as a file clerk. I'm going to be the best at everything I do. This is a good job that pays me good and provides good health insurance for us. God, you've placed me here. I know you have for this time. I'm not giving up. I am not going to quit. Lord, you will get the glory for my testimony. You will get the glory. In no time at all, I didn't go back to being an insurance verifier. I didn't go back to being, I, I didn't go to being a patient rep. My boss saw my diligence. He saw everything I did. And they created a position for me that here's the manager, here's the assistant manager, here was me. I skipped all the levels going back up the ladder. And there was me. And I was the liaison between the doctors and the hospital. And any of the patient reps that had issues, they had a, came through me. God lifted me up. God did it. But I'm telling you, I know it's because I had the right attitude. I went back and I said, God, every day I would be singing, which isn't very good, um, as I'm putting files away. I said, God, you will get the glory. You are the lifter of my head. And I will do everything to make you known, Lord. You know, in the end, um, through everything that we've gone through, God gave me Psalms 4610. It wasn't until... A number of years later, be still and know that I'm God. But it wasn't until two years after God gave me that scripture verse that he gave me the end. And that's our point three is let your testimony give God the glory. The end of Psalms 4610 says, and I will be exalted amongst the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. 
is your testimony exalting God? How is your testimony lifting him up? Who cares about you? I'm saying that in a sense of it's not about you. As we make it about God, God will lift you up. God will restore. God will make new. You know, when our nieces, we had, there's a huge age span when you have so many siblings in the family. So some of our nieces were teenagers back in the 80s. Big hair. So since I was the youngest auntie at that time, or second to the youngest auntie, they would always come to me like as if I was cool and like, you know, hey, auntie, how should we do our hair? And so I noticed that this looked great because they were fixing only what they could see in the mirror. Then the back was like, whoa, you forgot the back. See, at that stage in their life, they weren't concerned with what was behind them. They were full of youth and young and vitality. They were just concerned about what was going forward. As adults, we start realizing that what's behind us kind of has made us who we are and how we respond to things now. So some of you have been dealing for a long time with some of that stuff that's behind you. You're taking care of the back of your hair so much more than you even do the front now. You're, you're focused back here. Well, I can tell you, one of the things that I love about uh, those that are my elders, um, and I have become more that way, and I thought of it this morning, even as I was fixing my hair for church this morning, I thought, I don't care what the back looks like. Front looks good enough. Let's go. <laughs> you know, there's a point when God does so much in your life, and you start focusing on all the good, you don't even care what's behind you anymore. You don't let it drag you down anymore. You don't let it hold on to you. You don't let it be a chain that binds you up and keeps you from moving forward. Instead, you throw it aside and you say, I got my eyes going straight. Everything that happened in our past, oh, trust me, I have felt so many times the back of my husband's head, that knot from when he was seven years old, six and seven years old, and that second stepdaddy, going in there his little brother was on the bottom bunk he was on the top bunk holding his arm across him and with that big ring just beating his head I can't imagine somebody doing that to a child why? he'd be almost asleep and all of a sudden getting his head beat in by his stepdad I tell you he and I have if you want to say we have the right there's been so much I know, honey, you don't like me saying this word. I know you think it's me cussing, but there's been so much crap. It's true, there has been. But let me tell you, if that's what we focus on, we'll be knee-deep in it. But if we can stop and say, this is what God has done, this is what how God gets the glory, and I just feel today, some of you are sitting in that thing. It might be a small thing that happened when you were a kid. It might be a large thing. Getting your head beat every night when you're almost asleep. But I'm telling you, if we can say today, I'm not letting that get the victory over me anymore. I am going forward. Everyone will know that God gets the glory for my life. God gets the glory for every little thing that I have. 
I always say, God will take your mess and give you a message. He'll take your scars and turn them into stars. He'll take your stumbling blocks and turn them into stepping stones. This morning, we want to pray for you, literally. And if you are here today, you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. I can go on and tell you all kinds of horror stories. My wife's right. If you ever want to feel my head, it's right there. My dad, bam. Why my knuckles like that used to bleed. Man, I used to punch them just, oh. I used to get beat for no reason. My sisters had to carry a butcher knife to bed because of my stepfather. You can figure that out. You think you had it bad? Learn the secret. There is no secret to what God can do, what he's done for others. He can do for you. If you need prayer today, I'm not going to even have you stand. If you need prayer today, if you need prayer today, and you say, Pastor, I want you to lay your hands on me. I want you to step forward. Just come on. Right where you're sitting, you get up. Come on. Don't wait for people to come and stand up. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We are heading into the busy holiday season, and we have a ton of things planned for you. If you don't want to miss out, make sure you follow us on Facebook, download our new app, or visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.